Guys, I don't know what you all think, but I just don't think he's working out. No, not a fan. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're gonna have to unfriend you. But don't worry, it's not you, it's us. Thanks, though. We, we appreciate your time. Well, I'm so glad to have all of you with us today at all of our different Life Church locations across the country. And those of you in our partnering network churches, we love you guys so much. I'm also very humbled to have uh, 150,000 or so of you on the other side of computer screens right now live uh, in coffee shops and in hotel rooms and in your homes at Church Online. You are a part of our family, and uh, we are very, very thankful to have you with us today for the final week of a four-part message series called Friending. As we walk into this final message, I just need to tell you that I worked harder on this message than I did on any of the other ones, and I'm still the least satisfied uh, with the content of this message because there is a tension in the topic that we're going to talk about that we cannot let go away. I like for things to be clean and neat and black and white, and yet in this topic, there is a very real tension that keeps it from being completely clean. And I just need to tell you that as we go into it because it's an important tension that we cannot uh, ignore as we talk about this subject. I've called this message unfriending, uh, because anyone who's on Facebook at some point or another, you might have that friend who is annoying, posts too much, goes on too many rants, and eventually you click unfriend. How many of you have had that person raise your hands? Do not point at them, just raise your hands up in the air. You just click unfriend. I think uh, Facebook has so many uh, great values that it adds to, uh, to our relationships, and yet I think unintentionally, in many ways, it's changing the way we look at the term friend. For example, you may have 300 Facebook friends, but you don't really have 300 close, intimate friends in your life. And just the thought that you can click unfriend and distance yourself from people, in some ways it might be unintentionally cheapening what we mean by the term friend. So rather than saying we're gonna just unfriend people, in our pursuit of pleasing God, what I want to do today is talk to you about uh, the times when you may need to redefine a friendship. In fact, for those of you that are committed followers of Christ, I would say it's imperative at different seasons of your life to redefine certain relationships in order for you to continue on the right path. Why? If you're taking notes, because if you show me your friends, I will show you your future. You show me the people that you are closest to, and I will show you the trajectory of your life. Proverbs 13, 20, Solomon said it this way thousands of years ago. He said, walk with the wise, and what do you become? All of our churches, let's say it aloud. Walk with the wise, and you become wise. For a companion of fools does what? A companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, you hang out with people who are wise and they'll help you become wiser. You hang out with a bunch of idiots and you'll become a bigger idiot. In fact, I bet all of you can relate to me as you look back over the course of your life. Chances are pretty good that most of the time when you got into trouble, 
you didn't get into trouble alone, okay? Almost every time I got into big trouble, I was either egging some idiot on or some idiot was egging me on, and we got into trouble together. In fact, uh, the season of my life that I, I started getting into most trouble was when I left home and went to college, and I made some of the wrong friends. Uh, one guy I really admired, he was two years older, he was a baseball player, great athlete, and he, and he dressed really cool. I was like, dude, how do, you, how do you have the money for the clothes? You don't have a job, where do you get these clothes? And he said, well, I have the five-finger discount. Like, what does that mean? We didn't have that where I grew up. And he said, I, I steal them, I shoplift them. I was like, I was so taken aback, like, you steal, you shoplift? And I was really, at first, disgusted. And then, to be honest, I wasn't a Christian and didn't have Christian values, so my desire for the clothes overwhelmed my desire for morality. And I said, teach me. And so this guy actually discipled me <laughs> in the finer arts of shoplifting. And, and so we went on our first run together, and he got a really cool polo shirt, and I got a 99-cent glass figurine. A walrus, to be exact, because it was the only thing I wasn't afraid to stick in my pocket. And, and that's where it all started for me. And one thing led to another. And, you know, just to be real honest, I started uh, shoplifting. And evidently, I wasn't very good at it because uh, right before Mother's Day came, I decided to get my mom something because I didn't have any money. I decided to get my mom what every mom wants, a pair of stolen running shorts from her beloved son. And, and so... I walked into a store called Montgomery Wards and found the perfect running shorts, put them in my bag, and I was walking out with my buddy, and we were high-fiving outside the store, going, never a dry run. That was our motto. Never, you always get something. Never a dry run. And at that moment, a very large, muscular man came behind me and put my arm back behind my back, threw me up against a wall, and I actually peed in my pants, okay? <laughs> Not like a long stream all the way down, just a significant dribble on the, on the side. And I, mean, I just, I just I, I, that's what I did, that's what I remember, which brings all new meaning to never a dry <laughs> run. And uh, thankfully, I was actually caught, and that brought an end to uh, my, my short-lived and pathetic shoplifting career. Um, but it, I, I look back on that, and I think I got in trouble with the wrong company and let the wrong person influence me to the wrong behaviors. In fact, Proverbs 12, verse 26 speaks directly to this, and this is what Scripture says. The righteous do what? Let's all say this aloud. The righteous choose their friends carefully. I did not do this, okay? We're going to meet people by chance, but we deepen our friendships by choice. We're going to meet them by chance, but the righteous will deepen them by choice. We choose our friends carefully, but the way of the wicked, what does it do? The Bible says it leads them astray. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Our key thought for today is this, if you're taking notes. You need to mark this down and put it deep in your soul. It is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It is absolutely impossible over the course of your life to live a God-honoring life when you do not have God 
honoring friends. In fact, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Why do you think he said, do not be misled? I'll tell you why. Because it's so easy to be misled, right? It's so easy. In fact, I promise you there will be many of you who will try to rationalize away why this message does not apply to you. Because you're not like them. I know, sure, they may be, you know, kind of, you know, sketchy in some places and may be doing some things that aren't really a good idea. But you are better than that. You are different. And they're not going to impact you the way they might impact somebody else because this doesn't apply to you. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You show me your friends, and I will show you who you are becoming. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It appears to be pretty black and white, doesn't it? Yes and no. There's tension in this that we cannot eliminate. The Bible says, bad company corrupts good character. So we need to stay away from tempting people. Yet Jesus, our Savior and example, was a friend of sinners. So do we stay away or do we engage and try to reach people? The Bible tells us, do not be unequally yoked with non-believers. Pretty clear. Don't be joined together with non-believers. And yet we're also told that we should be the light of the world. We should let our light shine into the darkness. Scripture says, do not associate with people who are easily angered, or you will become like them and endanger your soul. Stay away from those people, and yet we're told to go into all the world and make disciples. And so it kind of raises the question, should we avoid those people that are going to tempt us to run away from God, or should we be a light that reaches out to those people? And the answer is yes to both. Yes. That's the tension that we have to embrace, that all the time we have to be careful not to let the wrong influences take us away from God's call. At the same time, we have to be careful not to let our hearts grow cold because God wants to use us to show his love into a world that does not know him. And there's a tension in this. So how do we resolve this tension? Well, part of it's never going to go away. But what I believe at the foundation of this teaching is this principle, that if you're a committed follower of Christ, those people that are in your inner circle of friends, those who are your core, I'd say your closest four, five, six, or seven people. If you're a follower of Christ, those people in your core, those who influence you most and those you influence the most, they must be committed followers of Christ because that's where you're going to get your strength and your encouragement. That's where people are going to love you and correct you. And when you have your core very committed to Christ, then your spiritual roots grow deeper. And when your roots grow deeper, your reach goes broader. 
That was so good and you are so quiet. I don't know how you contain yourself because this is really, really, really important. You see, when you're surrounded by the right people, your spiritual roots grow deeper. You're more solid. When your roots are deeper, your reach is broader. And because you're surrounded by the right people, then you can go into the dark world and let your light shine brighter. But when your inner circle when your core is not made up of the right people and you have the wrong voices, your roots are not deep enough for your reach to be broad because the moment you go out, you will get your spiritual butt kicked, okay, by the evil one because you don't have the strength to go and be who God calls you to be. You've got to have the core strong, the roots deep, so the reach can be wide. Do not associate with those who are easily angered, or you may be like them, and yet let your light shine into the world. Jesus is a perfect example, because in every way, because if you'll watch him, he loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. Did you notice that? He loved everyone the same unconditionally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. He only recruited 12 disciples. Not 15, not 25. Of his 12, he spent more time with three than the other nine. He loved them all equally, but he didn't treat them equally. There were times when everybody wanted Jesus, his disciples, sick people who needed healing, and he'd say, sorry, and he'd draw a line in the sand, and he'd say, I've got to go spend this time with my heavenly father. And he would neglect those people who needed him for 40 days at a time so that his roots would be deep and his reach could be broad. He would draw a line in the sand. He loved everyone equally. He loved the Pharisees because he was God in the flesh. But because he was God in the flesh, he knew he couldn't trust the Pharisees. So though he loved them, he kept them at arm's length. He loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You cannot live the right life with the wrong friends. And so some of you are saying, okay, I think I get it. Okay. If all of my friends are knocking off banks, high-ranking officials in organized crime, and cooking meth in their kitchen and selling it to fifth graders, I probably need some different friends in my life group. Okay. And that's what you're thinking. The answer is yes, absolutely. We're doing good. Okay. But chances are that's not the case for most of you. Honestly, that's probably the case for some of you because I've met you and I'm so glad you're here. You really (laughs) need to be here. But the reality is for most of you, there's still some influences close that may need redefining. It could be that there are those that are just incredibly negative. Criticize everything. And every time you're around them, You're becoming less of who God wants you to be, and you're becoming more negative. It could be as simple as that. It could be that there are some that are tempting you to do things that are not honoring to God, and you need to redefine that relationship. It could be that there are some that are introducing values to you that are opposed to the values of God, and so you simply need to redefine some of these relationships. You love everybody, but you don't have to treat everyone equally. You don't have to let everyone be in your inner circle. The 
The, the righteous choose their friends carefully, and that's what we need to do. So uh, to summarize kind of where we're going to be in the tension, I want to give you two things that we'll never let our friends do, and then we're going to look at one commitment that we will always keep in all of our relationships. So two things we will never let our friends do. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, I will never let my friends distract me from God's plan. Okay, I will not let my friends distract me from God's plan. And this is exactly what Jesus did with Peter, who was one of his inner circle three. Whenever Peter, even with good intentions, okay, thought he was doing the right thing, he tried to talk Jesus out of God's plan. Jesus had just explained, hey, guys, I'm going to have to die so I can be raised back to life. And Peter's like, no! No, we've got plans for you. You can't die. I mean, you gotta be, if you're going to be the king, you've got to be alive. You can't die. Okay? And so what did Jesus say in response to Peter's well-intentioned possible distraction? Matthew 16, 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Okay. If you ever need to make a point, just call your friend Satan and they'll know you're serious, okay? <laughs> just, just call him Satan. Okay, and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, just for the side thing, if your mother-in-law comes to you and she's getting on your nerves, <laughs> don't tell her to get behind you and don't call her Satan, okay? Do not do that. She may get behind you and stab you in the back, okay? And so, so don't do that. See, so he, he goes on to say, you're a stumbling block to me. Okay, this is one of his good friends, but he's drawing a line. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Get behind me. I'm not going to let you distract me. Now, I don't know how this might come about in your friendships, but maybe you've got some friends. There's some good people. You enjoy them. But, hey, every time you're going to church, like, oh, man, don't go to church. Oh, you went last week. I mean, you, you, you go once a month, right? I mean, that's all you need. And, and they try to talk you out of that. You say, no, 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 I, I can't let you distract me. Don't, don't go to life group. And, you know, I mean, you're going to pray again. I mean, that's stupid. I mean, you've been praying for a long time, and they're trying to distract you, and you just have to say, hey, I cannot let you distract me from God's plan. It could be in the way that you live. Maybe you're trying to get out of a real materialistic lifestyle, and you want to be more generous to um, help ministries and help people that don't have. And every time you hang around a certain group of friends, all they care about is money and things. Man, it's all about the bling, the look, the hit. And, and, and every time you're with them, you find yourself falling more in love with money and things than you do with people and with God. And you realize, oh, I, I may need to redefine this friendship. It could be there are some, they're pretty decent people, but they're all into the image. They're all into the show. Or, or, or some sporting event has become their God. You know, and this is everything to me. Like, I've got something different. And you redefine the relationship because you will not let someone talk you out of God's plan. There may be well-intentioned people who say, oh, don't do that. Don't spend your time there. I mean, don't go to school to try to be in ministry. Don't, don't do it. You can make money or whatever. Don't let them talk you out of it. And I don't know how this will apply to your life, but it applied significantly to mine when I became a, a, a new Christian. In fact, uh, before I was a Christian, like I told you, shoplifting and there were most of the other sins that you know, a college jock can, and fraternity guy could get into. And so I stopped dating girls for a two-year period of time because I honestly needed to renew my mind because I only knew to relate to them in a way 
that was not honoring to them or was not building a foundation for a good future marriage. And so Saturday nights, I called it my date night with God, it was cheesy, but it was the 80s and that wasn't cheesy then. And so I um, was drinking near beer, weaning myself off of my alcohol problem and I would study books and listen to cassette tapes. If you don't know what a cassette tape is, just ask your parents and they'll tell you. And, and I listened to teachings about how to have a great marriage and I was renewing my mind. And in that time, I didn't date because I didn't know how to do it right. And so two years had gone by, I was totally clean, I was waiting on God to send the, the right person and then I compromised, okay, I compromised. I was at the library, there's this kind of cute girl who wasn't a Christian, but she was flirting with me and she said, hey, let's go do something. And so I thought, hey, two years, looking at her, I'll go, I'll flirt to convert. And that was my plan, you know. And so I, I went out with her and, and um, you know, very short into our date, it became obvious that we were playing with two different sets of values. And so I just very respectfully tried to explain to her, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have gone out with you. I've had two years of trying to please God in, in the way and, and, and that this is not the top priority in your life right now. And so I tried to share the message of Jesus with her and, it, and she seemed intrigued and curious but not ready to go there. So I took her home about an hour and a half into the date. It was really awkward, okay? So she understandably was hurt and made fun of me. I deserved it. She told everyone, Groeschel's a Jesus freak, Bible thumper, overboard for God, and all this stuff, and that was all fair game. Well, a month later, I was coming out of my business class, and she came up, and she was laughing. She goes, hey, Bible thumper, Jesus freak, there's this girl you need to meet. She's just like you. She's overboard for God. You two would be perfect for each other. You need to meet her. Her name is Amy Fox. Now, for those of you that don't know Amy Groeschel's maiden name, was Amy Fox. And this girl actually introduced me while making fun of me and Amy to each other, saying we were worthy of each other because we were so weird for God. By not allowing someone to distract me from God's plan, God ended up revealing his perfect plan for me with Amy. Now, moral of the story is, if you're dating somebody, that's distracting you from God, don't rationalize it out anymore, okay? But, but you know, he has a Bible from when he was christened, when he was six months old, so there's God in there somewhere. No, <laughs> do not be deceived, okay? <laughs> do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Bottom line is this, Amy, her maiden name was Fox, and you, as you know, she is a fox, okay? And I say it this way, you can't marry a fox when you're dating a dog. <laughs> Dump the dog. Dump the dog. Take that to the bank and dump the dog. I don't know how I live with myself. This preaching is so good, it fires me up. <laughs> Can't marry Fox if you're dating a dog. That's what preachers do during the week. We think of these things because we only work on Sundays, so we think of great things like that during the week. Number one, I will not let my friends distract me from God's plan. Never, ever, ever ever, ever, ever. Number two, if you're taking notes, I will not let my friends continually tempt me to sin. I love them, but I will not let them 
drag me down. An incredible example of this is when Joseph in the Old Testament was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. He had such integrity that he was honoring Potiphar, his master, and found favor with Potiphar. Evidently, he found favor with Potiphar's wife as well because she took a liking to him and made some moves on him. It's recorded in verse 12 of Genesis 39 where it says Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his cloak and said, Hey, you big stud, take me to bed or lose me forever. <laughs> it's the New Craig translation, okay? The, the real version says, come to bed with me, okay? Come to bed with me, she said. Come here, come here, baby. And he's, but the Bible says, but he left his cloak in her hand, and what did he do? He ran out of the house. He got out of Dodge, okay? He didn't stick around and say, oh, it's obvious that you need some prayer. Can we pray together, sister, and talk about how you can improve your relationship with the Lord? Okay, he didn't do that, okay? He did not stay around that which would tempt him. And there are those times when you will have to redefine a relationship with a friend. And I don't know how it'll play out, but if all your friends are gossip, 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 and you know that that's wrong, you just have to say, look, if you're going to talk like that, I'm not hanging around you, and you redefine the friendship. Anytime you talk like that, I'm walking out. Ladies, if all your girlfriends are always trash-talking men, well, they're a bunch of no good, can't trust them, can't marry them, can't shoot them, you know, hate them all, whatever. Listen, you're not going to have a better marriage if you hang around that, and you just tell them, we're going to honor the men in our lives, we're going to speak well of them, and so anytime you go there, I'm walking out the door. Guys, if all your buddies, every time you're with them, it's all about the hot chicks, the hot chicks. Oh, oh my gosh, did you see her? Oh, look at that. Woo! <laughs> okay. When, that, what you just say there is, look, I got one hot chick, and she's my wife at home, and, and I'm not, I don't have eyes for anybody else. And if you're going to play that way, I'm not going to the gym with you, or we're not going to the sports bar, or whatever. I'm not going to let you continually tempt me away from doing what God wants. And at some seasons of your life, you may have to redefine some friendships. For me, as a new Christian, I had to redefine every single inner circle friendship I had. Because before I was a Christian, my friendships were built on one common denominator. Do you know what that was? Our friendships were, when we got together, we sinned together. That's what we did. My tennis buddies in college, we played tennis during the day, and we sinned together at night. We partied hard. My fraternity brothers, we paid money to sin together. We paid dues so we could sin together, and that's what we did. And I'll tell you, it was fun for a while, okay? Don't you look at me like, pastor just said sin was fun. Listen, anybody who doesn't say sin is fun is either lying to you or they didn't do it right, okay? <laughs> because it can be fun for a little while but it will mess you up, something fierce. The way of the wicked leads you astray. And so I had to redefine those friendships, and I had to go, the, the righteous choose their friends carefully. I had to go replace every inner circle friendship with those who would help my sp spiritual roots grow deeper so my reach could be broader. I will not let you distract me from God's plan, and I will not let you continually tempt me. But there's one thing that I promise I will always do and will never, ever stop. No matter what, if you're taking notes, I will never, ever, ever stop loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. And this is so important. Do not miss the power 
of this. I will never stop loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. You see, the worst thing that could happen as a result of this message is I could lead our church into being holier than thou, better than others. Go shine my halo while I stay away from you. Sinners! Get back from me, evil! <laughs> Gotta run from these evil people. I don't want their evil to jump off on me, okay? That is the worst thing that could ever happen. When you think about it, when you think about it, Jesus didn't unfriend sinners. He befriended sinners. If he unfriended anybody, it was the hypocrites. It was the holier-than-thou people. And so we let our roots grow deeper so our love can be broader. And we will love those people unconditionally who are far from God. It's time the church stops judging people that aren't Christians for not acting like Christians. Okay? Well, why aren't you acting like a Christian? They didn't sign up for it. They didn't sign up for our standards. So we love them where they are. Doesn't mean you accept everything. You, you love them with grace and you love them with truth, but you love them unconditionally and let them see your heart. And then one day you may have stories like the story I have with the girl who helped introduce me to Amy. You see, years later, she showed up at our church and she was really proud of introducing me to Amy and I'm eternally thankful that God used her to introduce me to Amy. And I never imagined that God would use our church to have a significant impact in her life spiritually. And I asked her later on, we were just talking about it, and she said, you know, I remember back years ago that you really treated me with, with dignity and with integrity, and you explained why this was going on. And she said, I wanted so much to go full on for, for Christ, but I just wasn't ready yet. And she said, because you lived what you believed back then, and I knew it, I figured I could trust you to listen to you today in the church, and God used that to make a significant difference in her life. The key is, we live in the tension. Go into all the world, and yet do not let the world disrupt God's plan in our life. When we're filled with this kind of love, okay, there are times we have to draw a line in the sand and say, I really love you and I wanna love you, but listen, those of you, you're getting over an addiction, and you're coming out of a lifestyle and you're clean, listen, you're going to have to redefine your friendships because your old friends weren't clean with you, okay? And you tell them, I, cannot, I love you, but I cannot let you take me down. This is, if, if I can get strong in this, maybe I can help you get strong in this as well. Not that I'm better than you, but this is what I've got to do. This is what God is calling me to do. And you always show unconditional love. And when you do... You fulfill the teaching of Jesus in John 13, verse 34 and 35, when he said, I give you a new command. Here it is. A new command I give to you. And what is the command? Everybody say it with me. The command is to love one another. Everybody say it. What is the command? All of our churches, everybody say it. Our command is to love one another. He says, as I have loved you, so you must do what? So you must love one another. Don't miss the power of this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. He doesn't say, if you go to church every week, or if you give money in the offering plate, or if you have perfect and right 
doctrine, what he says is, by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you what? If you love one another. And at the heart of his teaching, it is so important that we are to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love one another as ourselves. And we live in the tension that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You walk with the wise and you grow wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Therefore, I will surround myself with the right core so my roots will grow deeper. But my love and my reach, may it grow wider that my light could shine into a dark world and that they would know I follow Jesus because I love them with his kind of love. Father, I pray that your spirit would drive these truths deep within our hearts, and God, we would respond to whatever you show us to do. As you pray today at all of our different churches, let's cut right to the chase. There are some of you right now, and uh, this is an uncomfortable message, and you know it, you've got some inner circle friendships that need to be redefined. I thank God that he's speaking to you. I wanna speak even broader than to those of you that it's really obvious because there are others of you that it's not so obvious because you're trying to rationalize a way that this is for someone else and I wanna say be open to the fact that it may be for you. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. If you realize God may be showing you that there's an inner circle, someone close to you that may be the wrong kind of influence and you want to love them with integrity, but you recognize sometimes you have to redefine a relationship. If you recognize God may be showing you that and you wanna do what he leads you to do, would you just lift up your hands right now? All of our different churches, take this seriously, lift up your hands and say, yes, God is speaking to me about that. Leave up your hands for a minute, leave them up if you will, all of our churches, leave them up because there are more of you right now and you are shaking it off and God is speaking to you. I want your hand to go up right now as well. Put it up, put it up, put it up. Thank you, hands going up all over the place. Put your hands down. God, I thank you for those today who are open to what you want to say to us. God, I pray the truth of this message would transform our hearts. That God, we would recognize that your Holy Spirit is ministering to us, that you want so much for us to be surrounded by the right people that our roots could grow deep so our influence could be broad. God, if we need to redefine a friendship, I pray, God, that you would show us when to do it, how to do it, and God, empower us to do it by your spirit, with your grace, and always showing your love. God, we trust the results to you, and we will do, God, what you lead us to do. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, some of you, you're gonna recognize that you're doing life without the daily involvement of a relational God. I wanna tell you some good news. Jesus did not unfriend sinners. Jesus befriended sinners. Jesus reached out to me when I did not deserve anything, when I was sinning against him. And he drew me to himself so I could call on him for his forgiveness and his grace and his life, and in the same way he transformed me, he can transform you. There are those of you today, you're being drawn to the things 
of God. What is that? That is the power of his spirit drawing you because Jesus is without sin. He died on the cross to forgive our sins. He rose again so that anyone who calls on his name would be saved. Quite frankly, there are many of you, you recognize this is why you're here. You look at your friendships and your friends aren't following Christ. That's a pretty good indication you probably are not as well. And you're being drawn to him today because today is the day of your salvation and you know it. That's why you're here. It is no coincidence. There are all sorts of things working in your life. That is the power of God and that's why you're here at all of our churches. Those of you who would say, that's me. I can sense it. Today is the day. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning toward him. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. By faith, I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now all over the place? Lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Lift them high up here close and right back here in this middle section. Praise God for you. Others of you who say, that's my prayer, right back over here in this section. Lift them high. I want to see your hands right back over here. All three, four of you in this section. Others right up here. God bless you, sweetheart. Here, sir, praise God for you. Both of you right over here together. Fantastic. Church Online, you click below me, right back here toward the back. Others of you, way back here in the back, lift your hands and say, yes, I need his grace. Way back over here. God bless you as well. Others of you today, here in this section, welcome into God's family. Others call on him and say, yes, that's my prayer. Over here in this section, way back here toward the back. Would you all pray with those around you? Pray aloud. Pray, Heavenly Father. Forgive me for all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. May my roots grow deep so my reach could be broad, shining your light into this world. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you go crazy? Would you worship God? Big, would you welcome those born into God's family?